don't know how I'm going to introduce this. Okay. And you called me unprofessional. Well, I didn't realise I was supposed to be introducing it. I didn't introduce the first one, did I? Yeah. Did I? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you did. That's why I did the second. And then that's why I'm going to do the fourth. This <laughs> <laughs> we have it recorded I We can literally prove it now That you did intro the first episode Okay, let's prove it now Here we go Fine <laughs> The poem Tonight, out of this mist You will see the birth of a new mankind In full control of its destiny you're going to help me to recover what I can from life. That's why you're not going to die. No. I wouldn't let you die for the world, Rada. Hi, and welcome to All the Best Lines, by the way. Sorry, you have to forgive me and smoke you. We're just proving something. <laughs> have you literally just started the show that way? I just... Yeah. You want to... <laughs> introduction smokey says i introduced the first episode he introduced the second one and, and now it's your therefore turn again. it's my turn to introduce this one let's find out this is episode one let's try this yeah right let's see if this works Ah, oh, brilliant intro music i love that you've got kenny g to do our music by the way <laughs> can you hear this yes i can yeah that's obsession okay yeah, obsession, by the way. Suspicion. Not suspicion. Okay, one second. Here it comes. He wouldn't run away from me for nothing. He saw you and ran after you. You must have seen him. This is really great for everyone, by the way. Hang on. Yep, yep. But look, I'm trying Hello to prove the point here. welcome to All the Best Lines. My name is Adam. I don't... Yeah. So, yeah, as I said, I introduced the first one. You introduced last week, so therefore the honour is mine. Excuse me, Smokey, I'm trying to introduce the episode. Hi, and welcome Sorry. to All the Best Lines, everyone. It's a show where I talk to my good friend, Bernard, and we uh, talk about <laughs> basically... <laughs> yes, hello, I'm Bernard. <laughs> I've decided that Smokey should be called Bernard. Uh, yeah, no, no idea why. Uh, well, no, actually, technically you said it should be my middle name, because I don't have one. He kind of looks like a Bernard. For those of you who haven't had the pleasure, I don't know what oh. it is. Also, I mean, Smokey has a musical connection. This is what I thought to myself. So Smokey oh, likes yeah. music, <laughs> which features drums. <laughs> and Bernard Matthews <laughs> was famous for his turkey drummers. <laughs> right. So that's how I got there. Anyway. It's, so yes, hello everyone. Thank you, thank you, Adam. Uh, I appreciate that. How, how how is the view from down there at the bottom of Vindication Hill? <laughs> do, do you wish you'd introduced this episode? <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, no, no. Because uh, you know it just goes to show everyone uh, the uh, the perils of uh, day drinking. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he says, doing a spit take on his beer. And what beer? <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'm drinking too. It's it's all good. It? It's 10:15 in the morning. Why would I be drinking beer? Is it that? <clears throat> hey, should we do the um the fake introduction uh bit that all podcasters need to do when <laughs> when they start recording? Even though we've been chatting now for an hour. Uh, uh, Hi, Smokey. Uh, how are you? Oh, that one. Uh well, yeah. we made it we made it clear in episode 1 that we're not going to do that. Mm. We don't need to. Cool. <laughs> uh, I've just realized though. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. course of our hour-long chat before we hit record, uh-huh. I didn't actually ask you how you were. <laughs> no, you didn't. So I'm genuinely. Did you, you a- b- I'm, I'm genuinely <laughs> asking you how you are. How I'm, are you? I'm I'm very well, thank you. Uh, eventually, um, as you know, I've had a hectic work, working schedule. Not had not had a lot of time for podcasting, but here we are, and all is well. And now I have to burp. Excuse me. Excuse me. Day drinking, people. <laughs> It's wonderful. But yeah, uh, and how are you, Adam? All right. We're locked down again. So well. for those of you who don't know, England is in lockdown again. Mm. For some people, this is like the weirdest lockdown. So yeah. all the kids are still at school. Yep. Everyone's still going to work. So yep. basically, the only people who are locked down are people who work in restaurants, but not all of them because restaurants are still doing takeaways. Yep. Or pubs, but pubs mm-hmm. are doing takeaways. Yep. So people are still, it's like, what? has changed i don't understand this lockdown at all no like the first no. one everyone was like staying in their gardens and you get postman coming excuse me i'll have a parcel for you put it down there and edge it towards me with the branch of a tree or yeah <laughs> and then you'd wait six hours um you'd cure it with fire and then you would like drag in the ashes of your package and <laughs> see what see what you know what it was before yeah. you had to sterilize it with flames that's true and now it's like lockdown strange. I don't know. I don't yeah, understand no, lockdown weird. anymore. I, I, I will comply with it. Totally. I don't have any issues there. I think it's a great yeah. idea. I think we need to stop the spread and all that kind of thing. Of, of but course. this this new lockdown 2.0, mm-hmm. you know, lockdown 2, Electric <laughs> Avenue, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's uh, very electric confusing. Electric Boogaloo, I, don't, I, I liked. Yes. Electric <laughs> <laughs> Boogaloo. <laughs> this time it's lockdown is. too. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's kind of electric boogalooing. It's like, this is a pointless, this is a pointless form of lockdown. I think if you're going to lock down, then lock down. I couldn't agree more. This is a half-assed lockdown. Mm. So, you know, just, just lock the f*** down. And then, like we did in March, and and everything will be fine. Well, maybe, but it's um, like when they said, um, they said, oh, well, uh, we know what to do to stop the rising infections. Mm. Um, we're going to ask all the pubs to shut at ten p.m. It's like, what? How is that going to help? Like, you're going to knock an hour off pub time? <laughs> yep. <laughs> People are sort of filtering out, especially in the week. They're out by mm. nine anyway. If you want to yeah. like stop this and nip it in the bud, then shut pubs at six. 6 p.m. So people can't bundle in there after work and drink for four hours. It's very yeah, odd. That would be anyway, a more there's me idea. in the last episode saying, oh, I don't get involved in all that rubbish. No, no, no. No. And here I no. am. You mouthing off a diatribe. Yeah. Sorry, Bert. No, that's don't. fine. That's, uh, uh, that's fine. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but also, you know, spare, spare a thought for uh, people whose workplaces haven't closed and still do have to go to work when we could have done with a month-long holiday. That would have been lovely. That's, Mickey, that, that's not why we're doing it, though. Well, isn't it? Say, say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, for oh, those I who know, for I those know, who know me, and all that. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, Smokey, Smokey obviously works. You have a very taxing full time job with a lot of hours, don't you? I do. My my main job is podcasting, and um, I ha- do have a part time job to top up my income. Mm-hmm. And I'm very much in the same boat with you. And that when I've been told that rain or shine, you'll still be here. For your couple of days a week. And I think it's... I think it's very silly. But... <laughs> I have no... I have zero point to this sentence. So what I'm going to do is literally... Seamlessly segue into the fact that... Hey, we've got a great film to study about this week. <laughs> we do! Oh, Seam- se- did you seamless. see that segue, people? Did you see it seamless. coming? I didn't. <laughs> it was like that train in Ghostbusters 2. You just don't see it coming until it's too late. Is there a train in Ghostbusters 2? Yeah, the ghost train. It runs through Winston. 
in the tunnels. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, the, the only reason it came to mind is because I'm wearing my <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 t-shirt. So, you know, it's it's fine. You know, that's why that's why it came, what came to mind. What the yeah. f- Are you what? wearing a Ghostbusters t-shirt? Ghostbusters 2, yes. It's the it's the sign for Ray's uh, occult bookshop on my t-shirt. I need that. It's awesome, isn't it? I'll, I'll swap that with you, honestly. Let me swap something with you. Send that to me. Have I'll you, have you this, got this very exclusive five a Canadian dollar bill? I, I was going to say, you... do, you, do you like like have a poster of Joan Blonde Bell or something that I could have? Um, close. I have a Sally Gray. I know you uh, do, but I can't take that, mate. Signed as well. Signed, I know, man. Yeah, I know. You you showed us it on the first episode. <laughs> I also have. <laughs> I also have Patricia Rock. Signed. Ooh. Ooh, I have a bit it? of a crush on her. And I have Joan Greenwood signed. Oh. Joan Greenwood is from Kind Hearts and Coronets. Have you seen? I have. Coronets. Yeah. Yeah. She's Sibella. And I have a signed photo of Margaret Lockwood as well. Oh, yummy. Wow. Oh, that was weird. I just saw myself in the reflection of the picture. That was that was really strange. No, that was a that was Margaret Lockwood's spirit. Looks very much like um <laughs> a dead a dead genie called Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I think we should actually apologise for this rambling, nonsensical intro that we've just kind of stumbled across. Right. So, um, so yeah, yeah let's, let's get us. on to the yeah. Let's let's move on. Let's get oh, on to the very to very sport. sensible movie that we're watching this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's get things back on track. This this film demands us to be sensible and stoic and uh, yeah and really sort of forthright with our opinions because I mean if this isn't a social commentary on everything that's happening in our lives at the moment then what is? Oh my god, I love this film so much! Like, Do you want we, to tell us what like, it is? Nineteen thirty six is the Devil Doll. Oh yeah! Oh, I love this film so much. Yeah, uh, right, it just happens that in film club every week at the moment through my other podcast, I have a film club. Right, every week we vote yeah. on um, a selection of films from a year, and we do yeah. 1930, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35. Last week happened to be 1936, so I put the Devil Doll in yeah. to the half dozen films up for the vote with a brief description of what it was about, and uh-huh. it stormed the vote. Like no, there was every, oh, I must see this, must see this. I, I think we have to take a little bit of credit though, because people had heard you announce it on the last episode, and they just wanted to see my reaction as well as everyone else's. Do you not think? Take mm. a bit of credit for that. I guess. So basically, me and Smokey had mm. the ideal viewing circumstances when we Absolutely. watched it together on Sunday, yeah. just just gone because we watched it with the film club, mm. and it cracked me up for the first five minutes. Everyone was like, "Oh, this is very standard," and then all of a sudden, after around twenty minutes, <laughs> we're just going, "What the hell are we watching?" It's genius. It I love this film it's, so much. Absolutely. Should we do a synopsis? So I mean, a synopsis, or do you want to do a plot run through? Okay, we'll do a plot run through if you want. Uh, that, that, sounds like, that sounds like fun. You want to talk talk our way through this month because <laughs> there are certain parts I'm really looking forward to. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Anyway. Well, you you go. It okay. sounds like you've you've started the film in your head already. Okay, basically. So I have to do plot run-throughs for film club people when they turn up late. Okay, so you've got um, a convict called Paul Levon, played by Lionel Barrymore, who people will know best as Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life. You know, grouchy old villain. This is obviously when he was a lot younger and could walk. He was crippled by arthritis by It's Wonderful Life. So couldn't actually walk around. Anyway, so um, he escapes from prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, You need it in certain roles, I think. Especially, you know, Robocop and things. 
I, it's just an ideal example. Fair enough. Yeah, Robocop wouldn't have worked from a bed. No, no. Uh, but was, what was that? Was that film uh, The Walk um, with Joseph Gordon Le- Joseph Gordon Levitt when he walks across the uh, the tightrope thing? He couldn't have done that. Yeah, it would have been in a wheelchair. No, it would have been called The Hang, wouldn't it? The Hang, the Roll, the Descent. Oh no, that's already been done. <laughs> would have like mirrored the first scene in Cliffhanger, wouldn't it? The first scene. In, uh, anyway, so this, anyway. Uh, Paul Levon, um was framed by three crooked bankers mm. and he's been in prison but he escapes and he escapes with the help of a fellow inmate who happens to be a mad professor. And the mad professor, <laughs> what, what are the chances? I know, right? This, this is a film, how long is this film? It's like 66 minutes long and how much plot is in this thing? <laughs> crazy. Can you see it? How, how long is it? Uh, 78. 78 minutes, even so. Okay, so anyway, we find out in the first scene, as they're escaping across the swamp, that the mad professor actually, handily, has a laboratory very close. So they escape to the laboratory, where the mad professor's demented assistant-slash-wife-slash-Igor character... Yeah! Melita... Yeah, uh-huh. she is fabulous in this, by the way. Has already begun his mad professor work. So you have an escaped convict, his mad professor escaped convict friend, and Melita, who's been carrying on the mad professor's work while the mad professor was in prison. Yep. Do you want to explain what the work is? <laughs> well, it's I, I will explain what the work is, but I, what the the thing I love about this was the the non nefarious reasons of why this work was being done. So. <laughs> So they're, they're, they're sort of, do you know what I mean? They're sort of, they, they actually, they, they started out with this idea that it was actually going to help humanity. And mm-hmm. then obviously it gets turned into, like all good supervillains do, they turn it uh, to their advantage to create havoc and evil and whatnot. And so that's, that's kind of cool. Um, so basically they want to uh, miniaturize, well, they start off miniaturizing animals, don't they? And Yeah, uh, they miniaturize and- a load of yeah, they got like, you know, <laughs> apples and wall clocks and <laughs> like a little array of them on the table. Do you know what? That, that sums it up perfectly. They miniaturize a load of <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so, yeah, no, we get like a, a miniature St. Bernard and. Uh, so, oh, Bernard! There we go. Mm-hmm. St. Bernard. There we go. And, there you um, go. Another connection. It's your name forever now, by the way. That's fine. I don't care. I, I, here, look, I, I told you, I'm nearly 40 and I still go by Smokey. I have no shame. So it's fine. And uh, they're miniature, and then they're miniaturizing people as well. Which, mm. uh, which, with the best with, intentions. With the best intentions in the fact that we will need to produce less food mm. and so the human race can survive better, I suppose, is a, is they're a talking very about poor overpopulation. Yeah. yeah. So their the, their basic mission is uh, the world's overpopulated. This is 1930. Yeah. It's quite forward thinking, really. It is. People actually. are talking about this now, and they're saying yep. it's overpopulated. We can't afford to feed um, the world. So mm-hmm. what we'll do is we'll just shrink everyone yep. to a sixth of their size. You know, not really considering the fact that there are cats yep. in the world and dogs, uh, and spiders. Uh, Mice. Yeah. I mean, how would he reach door handles? All this kind of thing. Anyway, they're just going to shrink everyone. I love the fact you don't actually see how they do it either. No, no, you just take it's them like, at their word that they know how to do it. So, I mean, that's that's fine. Yeah. I mean, do you think this is like a really sort of, well, a 1930s sort of, how do I word it? Nicer version of uh, Thanos's idea. Instead of just yeah. d- clicking people into non-existence, they're going to shrink them down yeah. instead and solve the well, overpopulation problem. You would have thought Thanos would have done that instead of... Just I'll just kill half of them because they can just breed back to where they were eventually. 
Why didn't you yeah. just shrink everyone? Although everyone yeah, would just want like a miniature skull at Johansson, wouldn't they? So that's probably not a good idea. Mm. <laughs> oh, Bernard, you pervert. Anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> you do know that the so bleep button can work for Bernard as well. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, this film is Avengers Endgame for the 1930s then. Yep. Okay. So you have this, this that is the setup, basically. Um, Paul Levant, who has been wronged by a trio of evil bankers, has mm-hmm. escaped with a friend who happens to be a scientist who has stumbled on the secret of how to shrink people to a sixth of their size, even though it's way smaller than that in the film. Yeah, it is a lot smaller um, than that. So as to um, you know cons- conserve world resources. But what happens is, while he's there and seeing this incredible experiment going on, because yeah. they have um, the laboratory has a maid, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. Um, I can't remember her name. But basically, they decide to experiment. They haven't done a human trial yet. So, oh, we'll just, you know, waste her. She's an orphan. Who cares? So they uh, they shrink her, basically. But she, she shrinks down fine, but she has no will of her own. Oh, so uh, La- using Lachner. A, yeah, that's it. So using a, their mind beams. <laughs> Is that what we called it, Film Club? You can basically, if you stare at the shrunk person you can force yep. them silently to do your bidding that's right so that's the setup of the story that you can shrink uh-huh. a person and that's fine but they uh-huh. have no will of their own you can control no. them it's like a remote control with your head yep and then i don't the see any scientist... fault with this plan at all no no <laughs> okay now we're we're still in the first five minutes of the film by the way yes like yeah. <laughs> five minutes have elapsed um and then the scientist just decides to die well, oh, he d- to be fair, he doesn't decide to die. I'm dead. <laughs> you don't just, just decide to die from a heart attack. He just dies. Though. I'm just like this. It's like, oh, you know what? Actually, this film would be a lot easier if he wasn't around. <laughs> it would die. Oh, do you know what? I'm just gonna have a heart attack in the corner. Okay, basically, the mad scientist dies. So yep. Melita, his assistant, mm. and Lavon decide to team up. And to use the power of shrinky doll mind beam evil yep. to exact revenge on the trio of bankers that mm-hmm. put Levon in prison. Oh, yeah. We're five minutes into the film, and how uh-huh. much plot has happened? A lot of plot. Yeah, I mean, uh, right, so let, let's talk a little bit about this. So, Lionel Barrymore, he won yep. an Oscar, didn't he? In 1930, Not for, not yeah. for this. <laughs> I should have won an Oscar for this. It's a flawless performance. It is a flawless performance, my word. It's a thankless task, this role. I mean, he, I mean, he's put into so many ridiculous situations, and we'll get onto mm-hmm. in just a moment. A rid- ridiculous <laughs> costumes and ridiculous voice acting. This but, is the but, worst. <laughs> I know, but but you've got to admit, oh, mate. He, you, you've got to admit, mate. He nails it. He nails this role. Oh, do you know what I love about it? like Lionel Barrymore was a big deal. He wasn't like. You know, he wasn't a supporting player. He wasn't a, you know, he wasn't a just a, a ten-a-penny actor. Yeah. This guy had an Oscar. He had, you know, won an Oscar for a free soul. Big, meaty role. You know, he, he was headlining movies. He was, you know, such a respected name. People turned out for Lionel Barrymore. Part of the Barrymore dynasties. Brother was John Barrymore. Sister, Ethel Barrymore. You know, Drew Barrymore is, you know... A descendant of that dynasty as well. Very, Michael, very, Michael? very respected. Michael, is he one of those? Yeah, yeah. Michael Barrymore, England's famous murderer. Yes. He's uh <laughs> Don't 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 let him take you swimming. <laughs> so yeah, so like a big deal. 
And in 1936, <laughs> Todd Browning says to him, yep. um, how would you like to be in the devil doll? And he, he must have gone, um, you might have to sell me slightly. What's it about? Yeah. Well, it's about you wanting to uh, get your revenge on some bankers that wronged you. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Well, well, hang, on, hang on, Mr. Browning. That, that sounds really good. What, do, do I have That's to do good. anything else in the film? <laughs> well, yep. Yeah. We'd like you to dress up as an old woman all the way through the film. I'm sorry, what? You want me to dress up as a what? Yeah, because obviously you're a wanted criminal, so Uh you can't go back to Paris and take your revenge because everyone will recognise you. What's a great way for you to remain hidden and able to move among the populace? Right, okay. So so first I've got to go to Paris and then I've got to dress up as an old woman. I mean, do, do, do I have a wig or something like that? Yep. Oh, Wigs are uh, plenty. Okay. Um, so, so I, I assume then, uh, if I am dressed up as as an old woman, um, uh, because I, I'm, you know, I'm Lionel Barrymore. I, I look the way I do. I, I, I'll just stay mute, shall I? Because obviously, I can't disguise the fact that I'm a man. No. Basically, you just speak in your voice. Put a little bit higher. <laughs> right. Um, well, I'm really sorry, Mr. Browning, but you sound like an absolute mentalist. Um, <laughs> no, 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 wait a minute. Before oh. you call me mental, oh, okay. I want you to know right. that you'll fool everyone because we're going to make really? this the worst disguise of all time. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, Mr. Browning. I was kind of on the fence until you said that. But but you know what? I, I, I mean, you see this Oscar that's on the shelf as gathering dust. Just forget I have that. I'm in. Well, prepare for it to have a twin, Mr. Barrymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Is this? Oh, what? Well, do you know what, Todd? You, you've, you've sold it. I, I, I'm in. I'm in. There's the, the, the selling point of this film is that... <laughs> In order to in order to move among the populace, yeah. Lionel Barrymore, <laughs> Mr. Potter, mm-hmm. has to dress up very unconvincingly as an old lady, yeah. and just basically shuffle about, dropping massive hints about the fact that she's a man to like policemen and stuff in the streets. With you know, like, oh, where are you going, madam? Oh, if only you knew the truth, oh, man. <laughs> Why are you really a man? Oh, 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 oh no, no. <laughs> Just be inconspicuous. You're in disguise. Make yeah. it work for you. I mean, I mean, this is wonderful. So, as you say, so yeah. So, Levon <laughs> Levon goes back, goes to France, and <laughs> becomes think about it. <laughs> and becomes a woman. Well, he dresses up as a woman with a wig and oh, don't forget mm-hmm. the dangly earrings as well. Dangly earrings, a nice, a nice cr- like crumpled felt hat. Yeah. Uh, shawl. Got to have a shawl. And he talks like he's got no teeth in to make him sound like a real proper old bird. He does the hunchy thing, and he does, he does the, the thing. I, I can't, I can't work out how to describe this, but does the fingers thing? Yes. Like when he's talking, you know, like you just like you put your Burns. hands in front of you and you wiggle your fingers. Yeah, Mr. Burns' fingers. Yeah. And, and as you say, I mean, I, I don't know if I, if my impression will match yours, but he does talk like this, and it, oh, it comes out very high. You, you have to have to put a clip in so people can experience the woman accent for themselves, okay? I will, I'll tell you what. I'll drop one in right here. Melita! Yes, madame. Come here, please. Uh, this is Monsieur Radin, the banker I spoke to you about. Uh, this is Madame Melita, my assistant. Monsieur. Is everything ready for Monsieur Radin? Yes, madame. Splendid. Splendid. Some cognac. 
Come on, sit down, sit down, Mr. Excuse me. Oh, no cognac, please. No cognac? No, thank you. Won't you have some cognac, monsieur? No, no, thank you. <laughs> Here's another of our little pets. Mm. Most ingenious. It is lifelike, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Uh, uh, but, monsieur, you see that little doll sitting over there on the block? That's Lashna, our Apache doll. <laughs> uh, Milita, will you please bring me the little stiletto? All our accessories are carried out down to the most minute detail. For example, on our ponies, the harness is exact. And on our little dogs, the collars are all different. But mind you, suitable to the breed. Oh, thank you, Melita. And our Apache dolls we supply with a dainty little stiletto. Why, this is an authentic little replica itself. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> Power of editing. There you go. It's wonderful. Perfect. Yeah. Just, just let's imagine for just one second that that hypothetical conversation that uh, our wonderful acting just portrayed actually happened. Because it must have done. Unless, unless like Lionel Barrymore's agent just saw went, you're never going to believe this ridiculous story we've just been pushed. <laughs> and, Lion, and Lionel just turned around and goes, do you know what? It may be ridiculous, but that's the most bad crazy idea i've ever heard let's do it and are you sure that, are you sure that is, that's got to be it there's mm. no other ex- explanation this film is genius because it just yes. it's like balls to the wall foot to the pedal i just <clears throat> sorry i only choked on my own excitement there <laughs> it's just it just it? doesn't it does not give a it just—it's like nope. he goes, "Oh, you know, what? I'm going to dress up as an old woman and turn people into shrinky murder assassins." Yep. Ah, oh, just—I love this film so much. This is the epitome for me of a good B movie. You know, the plot and the thing is, they play it so straight as well. The whole. Film. Absolutely. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. I can't stop being so giddy about this. Place. It's all right. It's all right. You, that's why I'm here to be your ru- the rudder to your <laughs> narrowboat, my friend. So, uh, can we can we talk about uh, Melita? Yeah. So so obviously she's gone from losing her husband to a, a very quick heart attack that came, yeah. that apparently, according to Adam, was planned. Don't know how that works. But um, well, I was just like he was inconvenient. So bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the actress who plays uh, Melita, uh, Rafaela Otiano. Thank you. I didn't want to mispronounce her name. Uh, not not that she'd care, because I'm, I'm assuming she's dead. Yes, she is. She died in 1942, so I'm safe. She, she is utterly wonderful in this. Mm-hmm. She's I mean, cha- cha- I mean, there's definitely a bit of Elsa Lanchester going on in here a little bit. Hundred percent. She has the the the, the shock of white in her hair. Mm-hmm. She hunches. She really does give it. She's like she's like a cartoon in yeah. this film, but uh-huh. gloriously so. Not like you know a, a pain in the ass. Like you know, no. I don't know. I can't think. I can't think of another golden age actress that you perhaps mm-hmm. would be annoyed by seeing in a movie. Right. No, I can't, no, I can't, can't think of a no. name of one. No, no, but anyway, I can't it's, it's not. No. But if you if you look at perhaps someone like Una O'Connor and Raffaella Ottiano, but I'm asking a serious question. Uh huh. They both play relatively similar roles. 
Right. You know, but there's something about Raphael Altiano. She she just nails the sinister part, the cartoonish part, the garish part. Yeah. But she doesn't overplay it. It's just a great performance. She's a like she's ah, like an Igor. I've got it. I've got it. Right. The the reason is right. The reason is uh, the difference between her and uh, 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 she can act. That's, well, that's Un- the Una O'Connor can act. You knew you knew where this was going, young man, <laughs> and you you bring you invoking the name that shall not be mentioned. You 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 knew you knew. <laughs> right after this episode, uh, listeners, Adam is going on the naughty step. <laughs> He's not allowed to podcast anymore. Thousands wish that was true. Oh, should um, you? Right. Anyway, so, no, but, yeah, no, but and Melita, she, but she she's is, a great but She is wonderful, character. though. She, I, I mean, I, I loved it. And, yeah, the, the, the sort of the wide-eyed villainy. And, uh, mm. and actually, it's, it's, it's interesting you brought up the sort of the, um, the rather bizarre ways that... <laughs> Paul just kind of supposedly accidentally slips up and nearly gives the game away several times. She, she Melita does pretty much the same thing as well. Yeah, 100%. you know she she she's not a perfect supervillain. She she balls things up several times. <laughs> the bit with and the it's... necklace later on. You mean yeah. absolutely? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, we should probably get back to yeah. the story quickly. Oh God! <laughs> so he's in Paris now. He's stalking after the three bankers. The first one he goes after is Radan, um, mm. played by Arthur Hole, who, who, if you're a Golden Age fan, you'll recognise him from all, pretty much, he's in, like, all the Sherlock Holmes films with Basil Rathbone. Very, very popular character actor. Yeah. Um, he goes after him and shows him the doll of, sorry, what was the maid's name? Lachna. Sorry, yes, the maid's name was Lachna. Yeah, so he shows Radan the doll and, and says, in the old woman voice, would you like to be my business partner? <laughs> so Radan Nailed is very it. impressed by the doll because it's so lifelike, you know. And so he says, oh, why. yeah, I, I would, yeah. <laughs> I'd be very interested. <laughs> I'll come down to your shop. Okay, thank you, Mr. Radan. We'll see you tonight. Literally, am I, am I exaggerating this voice? No, <laughs> not in the slightest. So um, Radan arrives at... Oh, he's now calling himself uh, Madame Mandelip, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that's the name he's assumed. So uh, Radan arrives at Madame Mandelip's shop, uh, walks in, sits down, is is fondling the doll, oh, yes. um, and then um, Madame Mandelip slash Paul Levon approaches, and is it a dagger? It's like yeah. a dagger, isn't it? Uh-huh. It's a mini dagger that he's made for uh, the doll, and he sticks it into Radan's leg, and it's been poisoned with some kind of something that incapacitates him. Some kind of nerve agent. Yeah. I mean, this is Avengers Endgame. It is. It yeah. really is. Yeah. I mean, but we, we also should point out is that we have... The, so we obviously... We, this is this is the main plot, is that he wants his revenge on the three bankers. He has got one already. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got, got one. one. He's yep. got one. He's got the mad uh, assistant, check. You know, he's killed one, check. You know, this is all going well. And then well, we also... You, he hasn't killed him. Sorry. He? Mm. Inca- incapacitate him to to make him tiny, but um, yes. but but we also now throw in uh, the plot device, well, plot line, whichever way you wish to look at it. That he is estranged from his daughter, mm-hmm. and uh, wish, and she happens to be in Paris too. I mean, what are the chances? Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> well, it is where they lived. Well. Yeah. Yeah, it's convenient. Who is a kind of struggling washerwoman, and uh, and uh, he wants to reconcile with his daughter, but he can't, so he'll just befriend her as the old woman. Yeah, so now um, it's like Mrs. Doubtfire from Hell, basically. Just makes perfect sense, yeah. He, he befriends uh, his estranged daughter 
but as Madame Mandelip, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> hello, my dear. Very nice to see you. And somehow manages to um, steer every conversation they have uh-huh. on the street back to, but your father must have been a very loving father. And she he says, no, he's a scumbag. Proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a scumbag. He went to prison for embezzlement. And uh, But I'm sure he loved you, my dear. <laughs> yes, I'm sure he wasn't as bad as you say. Yes, I'm sure he's very handsome these days. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure prison helped with his good looks. <laughs> I'm sure if he was here with his hand on your shoulder, like, Just like I, I have, am now. he would tell you that he loves you. <laughs> yeah. So it's ba- she's played by Maureen O'Sullivan. Very, very big actress in the 30s. Uh, the may Jane. I, uh, yeah, go on. May I, uh, just, is this uh, Gush of the Week? Oh, it could be, yeah. I've had a thing for Maureen O'Sullivan quite a while. She she was Jane to Johnny Weissmuller's Tarzan in mm. all those films. Spent a lot of those in various states of undress. And She's famously, a very the mother, attractive girl. She is, indeed. The mother of Mia Farrow. Is that right? Um, yeah, she was um, very instrumental as well in um, bringing about the... Should we say the end of the Woody Allen relationship? Ah, I see. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yes. Anyway, uh, um, yeah, I don't know about that. But um, yeah, her husband was John Farrow, a director, and gotcha. their daughter was Mia Farrow. Gotcha. But yes. Um, so now we have two plot lines running. We have the revenge plot running, and we have the estranged daughter, father dressed as a woman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Plot line. Of course you do. <laughs> of course by you the do. way, by the way, we're about ten minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love uh, this film so much. Yeah, well, fair, fair dues. Actually, you say that. Let, let's let's skip it along a little bit, shall we? So, yeah. Okay. So, so um, Melita um, and yeah. uh, um, Madame Mandelip have shrunk Radan, their vi- uh-huh. first victim, down yeah. to the size of the doll. She again somehow. <laughs> Manages to convince banker number two, Monsieur Coulvet, to uh, you know buy her doll, leaves the doll in his house. I'm glad you brought him up. Um, is this uh, Robert Grieg who's uh, a yeah. Coulvet? Mr. Mr. Coulvet. He, he's brilliant. Uh, uh, and I, I think one of the best beards in films ever. He's another one of these people who, um, like, you know, I keep saying about people look like Holbein, Hol- Holbein characters, you know, they have wonderful faces. I think uh-huh. Robert Grieg has one of these, like, you know, wonderfully expressive, you just, you look yeah. at his face and go, I could actually study your face for a few hours. It's got like, you know, the crags in the right place. He's quite portly. That's a wonderful beard. Amazing, yeah. amazing. But you have this amazing sequence, Coolway's house, that night, where the doll comes to life in the daughter's arms in her bed, escapes, and goes through the house to Coolway's bed. Yeah. And, I mean, B-movie aside, I never for one minute watch this film and think that looks like a movie set. They did sure. such a great job on the production design of this. I mean, the whole thing, Absolutely. like climbing up the stairs, you never doubt that it's um, a doll climbing up the stairs. You don't think, oh, it's a woman climbing up a set. It's yeah. so well done, so well made, and so lovingly made. It's brilliant. Let's talk about that then. So obviously this is after, this is post uh, Bride of Frankenstein, isn't it? So mm-hmm. so obviously they, they had the sequence in that film of, of the 
people who had been shrunk, you know, they're in the kind of the bell jazz mm-hmm. uh, type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And they've kind of they've kind of ramped it up a little bit from there. And just it's a it's a year after, isn't it? If I remember correctly, I think Bride of Frankenstein was thirty four, and this is thirty six, so two okay. years. Yeah. Oh, two years, but yeah, I mean that's I mean it's it's incredibly impressive. Mm. I mean it, it's very it, well is, done. Uh, incredible, uh, shrinking man, impressive. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like it, it it's very much like that film actually. Uh, in terms of you know when he picks up a a needle to use it for a spear, there was lots of yeah. that kind of thing in this. You know, they, they, she has to get past a pair of scissors and climb up a a bedstead and stuff. And you look at it and go, I know I'm watching a movie, but this does look incredibly real. I mean, it's all physical effects. There's no like camera trickery really in this film, apart from a couple of shots. Absolutely. Um, yeah. This could do with a Blu-ray release. Hundred percent. I would love yeah. to see a Blu-ray of this film. It's not the yeah. kind of film that comes out on Blu-ray very often. No. Um, well, I, do... I I got the Blu-ray of uh, of Bride of Frankenstein, and the quality mm. of it is is spot on. So mm. if they if they can do it for that, they can do it for this as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure they would um, work on a restoration for a film that's so little seen as, as um, Devil Doll, which is a shame. But they did do a really nice uh, DVD set a little while ago. It was this and Mad Love, which incidentally was the film we watched the week before at the film club. Yes. So uh, anyway, Radan, as an assassin, sticks uh, his mini dagger into the neck of Kulve as he sleeps. And what a Kulve. What a b- yes. Kulve is um, incapacitated forever. Yep. He's not shrunk or anything. They just leave nope. him as a... Drooling um, vegetable. Yes, he's paralysed for life. So Sad. then... Um, so then the third banker, played by uh, Pedro de Cordoba, Matan, mm. yeah. is suddenly terrified because he realises that Levant has escaped from prison and now two of them are down. So he becomes terrified for his life. Who, who is the actor who, uh, who plays him? Is that... Um... Pedro de Cordoba. Cordoba, He's yeah. A... Um, he, he, he likes to chew the scenery somewhat in this, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's another very reliable second-tier actor. He popped up in... Um, have you seen Saboteur, Hitchcock? Y- yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, Saboteur is the one where Robert Cummings is on the run with Priscilla mm-hmm. Lane, and they sneak into a freak, a freak's... What do, you, what do you call it? Carriage? Carnival? Carriage right. thing? Like a, like a sideshow type thing. Yeah, so um, they're travelling, mm-hmm. and, and they manage to sneak into their... What would you call it? Carriage? On yeah. A, on like a... Not a train, but it's like a con- <laughs> convoy of vehicles, you know? So they sneak into the freaks one. Yeah. And um, Pedro de Cordoba is, is one of them, the uh, the performers in that scene, and he... I always remember him from that. Fair news, fair news. But I, I, I don't know why, but when I was watching this uh, last night, and after, after a couple of beers, and... Uh, Surprise, and uh, and I was watching this, and I don't know why, but I was just like, if this was had been remade in the sort of seventies, yeah. that'd I, have been a good I, time I, to remake this. It would, but I don't know why. But this part, he, uh, co- co- how do you pronounce it? Cordoba, Cordoba, Pedro de Cordoba, yeah, Cordoba, yeah. His part would have been perfect. I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just my opinion. But it would have been perfect for Leonard Rosser. Yes. That is a very good show, actually. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, oily, ferret-like. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I totally get you. Yeah, I was just—I was watching show. it going, he would have been perfect for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but that's by the by. But, um, but yeah, as you say, he, but it, I'm, come on, mate. I mean, he's so panicky and scenery-chewy that oh, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's, oh, wow. I mean, we've moved to the 70th, 70th minute by now. <laughs> 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 you imagine how long this film would have been if it was made today it'd be like 18 hours long 
It probably There'd be was. so much brooding going on. They squeeze in a lot in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of about the hour mark now. And um, so Matt Town, the assassin doll, is sent into... Um, oh, sorry, not Matt Town. Radan is sent yeah. into Matt Town's home. And um, basically, he says, I will kill you at 10 o'clock. Is it 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock or something? It doesn't really matter, but he's very precise. Mm. So <laughs> uh, Matt Town sat in his chair with his legs very, very parallel, by the way. Oh yeah, he doesn't um, look like the, the most relaxed man in the world. No, he has to sit up straight because otherwise, no camera shot. Anyway, so <laughs> you see, you see, don't spoil you see the, the magic. Doll, <laughs> you see the doll moving around the room to make oh. its way to um, Matan's leg. It's very well done. It is. You know, it's sort of um, hiding behind chair legs and things, and you yeah. see him sort of getting nearer, 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 and just as he's about to stick his little poison dagger into the leg of yeah. Matan, the clock chimes ten, and Matan can't take it anymore, and he leaps up and he no. says, "I confess, I." Confess. Confess, we framed Levon, we framed Levon. So the whole murder part of that is called off. Matan goes to prison, Levon is cleared, and you kind of set for the final 10 minutes of the film. You think, you look at the running time and you go, oh, it's 10 minutes left. What are they going to do with the last 10 minutes? Yeah, well, I, really I, like I mean, Levon. that's it. I mean, I, I know you do, mate, and we'll come on to that in just a moment. But he's like, I know it's going to sound a bit callous, but as sort of superfluous as the whole relationship with his daughter is, you kind of do forget about it for a little while, and you sort mm-hmm. of focus on this this, <laughs> this ridiculous storyline of murder and revenge and shrinking people, and then as you say, and, and, you excuse s- me, cross dressing <laughs> and cross dressing. Let's not forget the cross dressing. I do apologise, uh-huh. but yeah, <laughs> but then we you sort of you come back, you sort of come back and go, oh no no no, hang on, we're not. <laughs> done with this ridiculous mental storyline oh but all we've got left is a family drama mm. and it's like uh and now i i i get wait, it right hang on, hang on hang on i'm gonna i'm gonna tee you, i'm gonna tee you up on this mm. is that is the fact that we have just gone through this ridiculous mind of a journey and then we go ah oh, but he has to do a familial thing now so Okay, uh, do you want to sort that out as well? All right, then, fine. Which, where we should mention is that uh, Paul has been aided in his um, quest to make it mm. up with his uh, estranged daughter by Toto. Yeah, a taxi driver. <clears throat> he's, he's very, very... <laughs> Thank you. As though you said that was the most normal thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to make sure people didn't think it was the dog from The Wizard of Oz. No. Um, yeah, no. he's very, very forgettable. We should also quickly mention... Yeah. That with his plan, dastardly plan over, he returns back to the shop and tells Melita, well, thanks for everything. I'm actually uh, innocent now, so see you later. Uh, Which he doesn't take very well. (laughs) Threatens to expose all the dastardly deeds they've done. Oh, she has gone full evil. Yeah, she goes full... Yeah, she even like... Have you noticed that shot where she walks towards him with the dagger? And I, I don't know how to describe it, but her neck disappears, right? She does this. Watch me. She goes. <laughs> oh, she turns, she, she turns into it's one like, of those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Basically, her head grows out of her breastbone. Is that what they call it? A occipital yeah. mapillary, that kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, she does this full-on gleeful, like, you know, grinning with all her teeth yeah. thing. And she walks towards him. And he says, you mad fool, in his Lionel Barrymore voice at last. <laughs> How we missed it. <laughs> How we missed it, yeah. 
Actually, it is. It, I mean, that's the bizarre thing, isn't it? Is that when he's dressed as um, as the old woman, he does occasionally. Well, obviously, when they're on their own, uh, he does. You know, use his normal Lionel Barrymore voice, and it and it and it's bizarre. It's bizarre to see him use that voice when it's he's bizarre. dressed the way he is. Because the the disguise is so convincing, you're just not expecting <laughs> that voice to come out. <laughs> it's like Jesus. He's a genius. It's it, it rivals Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> It's Tootsie meets Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> who who knew? Who knew? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you 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 speak to um, the Russo brothers, or you speak to uh, who did Tootsie? Was it Pollock? Was it Sydney Pollock? Was yeah, Sydney Pollock. Yeah, and then you sort of go, here, look. Do you know where you got your inspiration <laughs> from? I bet you didn't. <laughs> Robin Williams watched this film when he was doing Mrs. Doubtfire. He was he like, must you know, have oh, done. 100%. He must have, yeah. But yeah, no, as you say, though, um, uh, Melita decides decides that she can't stab him, so she's going to blow him up instead. Yeah, she'll, I should, oh, she'll throw a bomb at him and that'll be that. But he manages to somehow deflect the bomb and Melita dies, which I was really sad about because yeah, I really like her. <laughs> she's too, great. I do. Yeah, she's awesome. And I, I didn't want mm. to... She didn't need to die. That was that was an unnecessary death. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a shame. Oh, shame they couldn't just shake hands and part ways. Yeah, just say, no, we've had enough. We, we're done with the killing. We don't need to mm. do any more. You know, I've, I've had my fill, don't haven't you? We've made enough money. We've got a very successful, uh, successful model shop. Do you know, know what I love about this film as well? It's take like money and run. They're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're they're disguising themselves as toy makers, right? Oh, they yes. didn't. They didn't. You know, they didn't say, "Oh, uh, yeah, shop opening soon." Mm-hmm. They actually went to town. They actually made a, a f- ton of toys. Imagine <laughs> 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 the planning that was gone into this revenge plot. Sat there for like two or three years. Just yep. do you think that's enough? F- dolls now by the way oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we look, we look, oh by the way i've got a great idea circus tents but like, paul honestly like, <laughs> let's just get the killings done <laughs> we're, coming out with, we're coming out with new lines for <laughs> we're not actually gonna sell them <laughs> yeah. rain it in paul Jesus I mean, we, we should we should also point out the fact that I know it's the 30s, all right, and so there has to be a buy given. But the toys are. Yeah, well, I remember it well. <laughs> so it's incredibly old. Uh, yeah, toys toys back then were very appalling. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Gar- garbage pail kids and sticks and hoops. That's all I remember. Oh well, it, oh, what you had a stick to play with? Well, you yeah. were a rich man. <laughs> Do you know, when I was at school once... Oh, it's an aside. Yeah, when I was at school, this girl... Um, I can't remember her name, Marie something. It's probably best and, um, you don't. And she was known throughout the school as Poor Marie. And it oh. was like, you know, their family's not not rich, you know, and she can't afford to eat properly and stuff. And everyone oh, felt really bad for her, and we used to give her our bits from, from our pet lunch and everything. Oh. And I said to her one day... I said to her, I was, I was, I think I was only been about five or six years old. Yeah. I said, so what do you have for dinner when you get home? And she said, usually I have a Mars bar. And I, and I remember thinking to myself, I'd like a Mars bar for dinner. Oh, you <laughs> Wish I could have a Mars bar. All I get is roast f***ing chicken. <laughs> oh, dude. It's really boring. I know, isn't it? Right. Awful. Anyway, yeah, sorry to bring That's you down. Awful. 
God, that was that's so sad. Yeah. Oh well, can, can we? Can we? Can, sorry, we've never done this before, and we'll never do it again. But can we dedicate this episode to Marie? Yeah. Why not, Marie? Wherever you are, yeah. I hope you. I hope you're getting a bit more sustenance in your evenings these days. Yeah. Smokey, absolutely. don't look I, at me like. <laughs> and I and I and I hope you're single as well, Marie. Get get in touch. You know, it's fine. <laughs> so back to the film. Uh, what? I, yes. There's nothing wrong with with an emaciated girl. It's fine. Oh, Smokey, the poor girl. <laughs> You brought it up. You can't have a go at me. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with an emaciated girl. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm colourblind to size. Hang on, that doesn't work, does it? But you know what I mean. Yeah. I might cut that bit out. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's probably best if you really do take that bit nah. <laughs> nah. Everyone should um, know so the yeah. real us. <laughs> Right, so um, we then finish the film, basically, and what Ooh. happens is Levant and Toto engineer a meeting at the top of the Eiffel Tower, because they're in Paris, of course you've got to use the Eiffel Tower in something. Of course. So they uh, engineer a meeting between Levant's daughter and Levant. This, is, this part troubles me, but also I have to okay. say, I, I told you this before, when I watched this the first time, <laughs> I don't know if it was, you know, because I'd had a few glasses of wine or if I was in a particularly weepy mood. But I remember oh. having a bit of a cry at the end of this film. I don't... I, I've never replicated it since, I must be honest. Um, and I've seen Good. this film many, many times. But um, I did find, the first time I watched this, I found it really sweet, the fact that he meets her. She doesn't know who he is, even though his face is on the front of the papers. That's a bit yeah. of an issue, I think. There is that. Um, yeah, that, that bit troubled me. And several people pointed that out at film club. Um, his face has been on wanted posters all the way through the city. Why hasn't she just gone up there and go, oh, you're my dad? No, but um, yep. she walks up um, and doesn't know who he is. And he says, uh, I escaped with your father. He wanted me to tell you that he loves you very much, but he unfortunately died. And I'm glad he's been cleared. But he asked me to give you a kiss on the head and Aww. wish you well and and uh, have a lovely life, basically. Yeah. So she accepts the kiss and he leaves. And he, you know, determines never to see her again because he doesn't want her to know what he's done in order to become innocent, free. I, I, I don't know whether it's the, the lighting of the room you're sitting in, but you, your eyes look like they've got a bit glassy. <laughs> Shut up, Smokes. I can't help. This is first. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps it's because I've had children. I, no, I'm not. I'm actually not crying. No, Perhaps it's because you've had beer. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's more. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. I, I mean, the birth I, I mean, prefer. It, do you? Do, well, that's true. But do you, <laughs> do you think it's a good ending, or do you think it's a little jarring? What do you reckon? I like it. I I, I realize. I realize that. Um, after all the dressing up as a woman, miniature assassins stuff, it's it's kind of it's not a part of the film you you remember because you're too busy going. Nope. What the f- did I just watch? <laughs> but um, I I really like it. I th- I think it's a good it's a good sweet ending. It's very unexpected and it just it's like it's, I just find this film absolutely endlessly fascinating. It's like who the f- wrote this script? Who the f- signed this off on this script and went okay Lionel Barrymore Oscar winner you're going to dress up as a woman and talk in the most unconvincing voice all the way through this um, yes I am and then the end you're going to get an emotional reunion with Maureen O'Sullivan I think it's genius well that's 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 all right, Mr Browning I'm more than happy to go for that see I'm returning to my part from before you see it's a good (laughs) callback yeah I get it very good very good (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I, I agree, though. I mean, I, I'll be perfectly honest. The first time we watched it, uh, last week, I, I thought, I was just like, oh, come on, this is just a tacked-on ending. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, it was one of those test test audience things. Like, oh, come on. I mean, and also, it was sort of like, but the villain's getting away with it. Okay, he loses his daughter, but he is getting away with killing people. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of realise what he's had to sacrifice, and that's that's kind of sweet. And I, I actually think it ends the film quite well. Oh, well, I'm pleasantly surprised by that. I just mm. think it's a real... I mean, of all the films you've watched, you've watched quite a few old films now, especially at Film Club uh, and everything. I have, mate. Can yeah. you honestly say you've seen anything like this one before? No. I mean, this, this stands alone, I think. I, I didn't even have to think about that, my friend. It's... Uh... It's it's a it's a unique beast if we wish to call it that and um, uh, in fact uh, I was about to throw it over to you uh, to give it a rating but uh, we'll we'll come to that in just a second because uh, I'm going to go first this time uh, because uh, as we've spoken about and and the guys at Film Club know as well and hopefully the listeners will understand this as well is that we're all chatting while the film is going on sometimes your attention can wander a little bit because you get into it and everyone's sort of making each other laugh and it's wonderful and i love that to pieces it's one of my favorite bits of the weekend and uh, sorry of the week in total but uh and so and so no i do i adore everyone there it's wonderful but uh but when i watched this last night uh, just by myself and and just you know sat in the dark and watching this and it was it did make me appreciate it a lot more is it mental yes it's absolutely mental but is it a really really enjoyable film and yes it is an absolutely enjoyable film and after watching it on sunday i'd given it a seven after watching it last night believe it or not i'm giving this a nine i love this film nice one I'm so <laughs> I love this film too. It's like, I had no idea what you were talking about in the last episode because obviously I hadn't seen it at that point. But now I adore this film. It's brilliant. That's why I want a Blu-ray. I want a Blu-ray. <laughs> I'm so happy. That's very yeah. good. That's I, so. How I, about I, you, I adore sir? this film. What me for my rating? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to yeah. give it a nine as well. I mean, good man. For me, I mean, you can go like. I have points, a point system in my head and heart, but the the, the heart point, you know, is 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 very important. But ten ten for me is like you know something that will fit any mood. You know, I have Terminator like three. Two, exactly. Terminator two. That's a good there example. Go. But yeah, so um, <clears throat> yes, this one for me is a nine as well. It's a film I I do reach for often. I enjoy it so much. Yeah. It's a film that. If if you've seen it, it's unforgettable. You go, yeah. the devil, oh, yeah, yeah, God, Christ, Lionel Barrymore in drag, um, murdering people with mind-controlled miniature assassins and, Absolutely. you know, a sweet little family scene at the end on the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, how bizarre. I mean, uh, and, and let me put it this way, I've already recommended this to a, a few of my friends who, who aren't uh, part of your lovely film club, but uh, just to sort of say, you, you need to check it out because, <laughs> you, yeah, you've never seen anything like it, so... <laughs> What a, what a what a wonderful pick, mate! Absolutely brilliant. Oh, good. I am glad. I am glad. It's the kind of film that that would fly under many radars, I think, unless people like you and I are trying to keep it alive. So I'm very absolutely. happy. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Yeah, this this uh, cheers, my friend. This uh, th- your very good health. This uh, this deserves mm. to be seen. Day drinking, my friends, get stuck in. Mm. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Now before before we leave. Um, <laughs> A couple of notice board items, it, it, because we didn't do it in the last episode, because I completely forgot, if uh, the old, you know, usual gubbins of, uh, if anyone wants to get in contact co- in contact with us, we are on the old Twitter, at Best Lines Pod. Uh, we need to do a thank you to Ian, at BitDead77, he has been, 
you know, since we started this, he's been a very vocal supporter, so we'll, we'll thank him. Yeah, hello, Ian. How are you? Yeah. Good man. He praises us and promotes us every single week. Not just this, but this one, but also Attaboy and uh, Secret History and Rated H as well. He, he promotes them every week, which is very I sweet know. of him. So thank he's you, Ian. He's tireless. Good man, Ian. Isn't he? He's just, mm. yeah, absolutely wonderful. So thank you for that. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, we're on Twitter, Best Lines Pod. Uh, we, ha- we do have a Facebook page that hardly anyone is on, so jump on there, give us a like on that. That would be lovely. That and is, can I just you- quickly say, that's facebook.com slash all the best lines if anyone wants that. Or just search for all the best lines, and you'll see our little podcast logo. We will, we will, and 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 Adam will start putting some stuff on there as well when he stops being so lazy. I'm like uh, Lionel Barrymore in that in that respect. I don't understand the Facebook. Yep, and uh, there's that. And also, if you want to, you can email us at uh, allthebestlines at gmail.com. So please do that. Now, finally, before we disappear for this episode, my friend, mm-hmm. because because Adam finds just speaking in a one-on-one dichotomy uh, uh, rather uncomfortable. Um, I'm all about The threesomes. next episode, I know you are, mate. Uh, the next episode, we are having after you, dirty we are having our very first guest on, only on episode four. We've literally, listeners, we've already run out of ideas. So we are having our first guest on, and it is our mutual friend and uh, uh, also partaker of the older uh, film club over there. And it is our it's our good friend Stacy is coming on. Stacetron. Uh, we'll talk to St- the Stacetron. You have to come mm. up with a, a name for her as well. And uh, uh, that's like, it. Uh, uh, Stacetron and Bernard. Oh, okay. Sharon and Bernard. And uh, <laughs> you, but uh, uh, Stacy has picked the genre for the next one. Okay. Now, see, this is a this is a really dodgy precedent which I don't want to get into because the more guests we have on, someone is either going to pick one with the Dark Lord in it. That uh, you know, that's not good. And someone is going to pick a musical. So I'm not liking where this is heading. Okay, let me just put okay. that on Front Street straight away. But Stacy picked that she wanted a sci-fi, but with a time travel element. And you did did come up with a few ideas. Have you actually decided what you're going to pick? Yeah, I picked uh, Portrait of Jenny, uh, mm. Repeat Performance, It Happened Tomorrow, or Barclay Square. Of those, I would say to save on homework, Portrait of Jenny, because we watched it at the film festival um, a week and a half ago. So I'm picking Portrait of Jenny, a very trippy time travel romance ghost story starring Joseph Cotton and Jennifer Jones. It messes with my mind every time I see it. So yes, I'm picking Portrait of Jenny. Portrait of Jenny. And just checking my little list of films that I have that I've watched. Uh, I, because I work nights, I was still asleep when you guys watched that, so I haven't seen it. So, uh, Well, that is part of the collection that I shared on Patreon yesterday, so you can Lovely. access it at any time. One of the many benefits of signing out to my Patreon is that I do give access to my film library from time to time. <laughs> actually, we should we should point out that if anyone is wondering, we should we should actually disclose that is that if you wish to join Adam and myself and various uh, other lovely, gorgeous, and wonderful people mm, on Sunday nights, we have been referencing on Sunday nights every Sunday. Uh, you just have to become a patron of Adam's and yep. sling some sling sling some money his way. Yeah, uh, you can sign up for a buck a month if you want to. If you go to patreon.com yep, patreoncom slash secret and just sign up for any package yep. and you'll see you'll see that you'll get a, a film club invite movie included all you do is click and watch and everything is provided for you but yes come along it'd be, be lovely to meet you and 
absolutely. And Adam is actually very nice because he knows that I have no money. And so I just spend a dollar a month and he's, he's quite happy with that. So it's fine. Mm, it's fine. I'm, I'm slowly siphoning your oh, lifeblood no, away you and keeping it in a jar. Hello? Hang on, mate. I, I, hang Hello? On, mate. I, could, I couldn't hear you there. What did you say? <clears throat> I said oh, nothing. we've got a poor connection thing flashing up on the screen. <laughs> oh, okay, no worries. Well, did I not we, want we should... to hear that? No, 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 no. You, you don't want to hear that. <laughs> okay, fair news. I will hear it in the edit. Anyway. You will. Let us, let us <laughs> leave, my friend. Well, we hope you... Oh, God. Well, we hope you enjoyed The Devil Doll, and then we are coming back next time with our good friend Stacey, and we are reviewing what again? Say that again. Portrait of Jenny. There we go. That's what we're doing. So, until that time, uh, all the best. Lines. <laughs> Suspicion. <Is> that... <laughs> Suspicion? What are you talking about, Smokerton? <laughs> Sorry, Bernard. <laughs> Let it go. Ah. <laughs> uh... I'm sure he's very handsome these days. I'm, I'm sure prison helped with his good looks. 